Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Welcome to the Shape of Work podcast. Today joining us is CEO and co-founder of Symbiosis, Arun Malikarjanan. Arun, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Moshe, uh, for inviting me over. Yeah, and uh, we've read about you, been following you guys. You know, we understand that you guys kind of give access to clinicians as a marketplace type of, um, you know, type of offering, uh, digital marketing, accounting, Everything kind of happens in symbiosis. Why don't you just tell us a bit about what you guys do, high level, and then we'll kind of dive into um, you know some 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 depth. Sure. So I mean, at the the gist of it is that we we are a healthcare operations marketplace, essentially connecting clinicians with service vendors who provide various operational services, such so things like uh, EMR software phase, digital marketing, billing, et cetera. And the idea being that we're trying to help these clinicians manage their practice from a central location instead of figuring out who does what best and then manage them at the end. Right, right. And I mean, the name is is pretty self-explanatory, but is there like um, like a story behind how you came up with the name symbiosis or rather, you know, using that word for the company? Yeah. So the I mean, what I was thinking of, I mean, it, all of these founders, I mean, all of us founders go through this. It's like, hey, I have this vision and how do I best describe my vision simply? So then we were thinking like, hey, how, what does the company do? So one, I mean, they're thinking like, okay, we are essentially helping people. But the thing is that we are helping people, but the people also help us in return. So these people are these clinicians, but then the clinicians also help each other because now they're part of the community. But then mm-hmm. the the clinicians help the vendors, the vendors help other vendors in the marketplace. So it's a pretty much a symbiotic relationship, any which combination you can take about. So that's once I realized that the name symbiosis kind of uh, made a lot of sense. And, and as soon as I thought of that word, I was like, okay, yep, this is the name. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like a, like a good kind of um, way to land on a name for a company, the effects and the interactions yeah. between the parties involved. Yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of, it almost like the name chose itself. Uh, it sounds like, That's right. yeah, yep, nice. And so, how are those? Um, how have those relationships been affected uh, within within the company? Like the effects of these clinicians, these digital marketers, accounting, all these different types of sources. How have they interacted with each other, and how have they essentially helped each other? So, I mean, this is interesting, right? So, at the core, we are marketplace, but then that marketplace. Br- forms a community on either side of the marketplace. One is the clinician's community and one is the marketplace community. And uh, what I've seen, which is most fascinating, and when I first saw it happen, it just like, it made me so happy. Is that a patient, we saw a patient come in uh, who had had a stroke and he was going to rehab. So he came for speech therapy, but the speech therapist said, hey, I think you need physical therapy before you do speech therapy. So then she reached out across and said, hey, um, this clinic right there, they have a neuro specialty as far as physical therapy goes. So why don't you go to them, get checked out and come back to me? And then all of this happens. And then 
in the in the end, right, what ended up happening for the patient is that he would come get physical therapy and then get speech therapy. But sometimes the physical therapy clinic and the speech therapy clinic would treat the patient together. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that happen for the first time, it was just like, uh, oh my God, this is exactly what I had in mind. These are things that you see like in your mind, oh yeah, there's a possibility that I like right. this to happen. But then when you see that happen and you see how happy everybody is in the end, it just kind of like uh, solidifies what you've been dreaming about. Wow. Yeah. That is a beautiful, tangible, concrete, real world effect of what you guys are doing about blending these services to ultimately help the end user. In this case, this guy with the stroke, you know, getting his physical therapy, his speech therapy together as a result of what you're doing with symbiosis. So yeah, that's right. That's 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 the essence of uh, of what we want to do here: create meaningful work. You know, um, yeah. have an effect on people's lives. And and yeah. so, what's what's next for you guys? I know you guys, um, you know, have partnered up with with quite a few different types of people in the marketplace. You obviously have clinicians. What's the um, kind of what's the vision for Symbiosis? You know, near near and and kind of distant future. How do you see it playing out? So in the near future, right? So we want to make this marketplace not just a place where you can subscribe to these services, but also be able to manage the work across all of these services. So we are building our um, AI-driven workflow engine, which kind of monitors the work across all of these services and then says, hey, this work needs to be done now. Otherwise, you're going to go behind or you're going to lose revenue, et cetera. Or if that work task is not completed, then it gets highlighted so that a profit person knows that they're behind on these tasks. So from a clinician's perspective, these are people, and again, these clinicians are people who are just starting out or are very small clinic. Traditionally, they're not being very um, cared for by the industry, the healthcare industry themselves. The healthcare industry cares for these hospital groups and big clinic groups. So these small clinics are left to fend for themselves. So when our platform came into play, these people are saying, okay, I get to a single place to manage all of my operations. I can not only subscribe to the, the services that can help manage work in my clinic, but also I can see what's happening in each of these subscriptions that I have. So then the clinician can feel confident that they can focus on what they really care about, which is treating patients, right? So the second, the long-term vision is we've solved this operations problem. We still have to solve the revenue problem, right? The operations are essentially the the space, the front back office, billing, digital marketing, accounting, legal, et cetera. But the revenue is the fact that how do we get these clinics to care the, the revenue that they deserve? They have no say in how they go and negotiate with these insurance payers because the insurance payers saying that you don't have enough volume for me to care enough about you. But these clinics provide way better care than hospitals do in a lot of cases. The patients are happy because they get one-on-one care. The clinicians are doing what they really want to do, which is being close to the patients and spending the time that they want to spend with the patients. But then they get reimbursed 30, 40% less than they would. They should. So what we want to solve is hey, you are now a community, we can represent this community as a, as a whole to the insurances. So then we become, I mean, there's this technical term called an MSO. And 
once we become an MSO and we have the processes in place, we have the platform in place, one, to, to ensure that the best care is provided to the patient, and two, is that we also constantly monitoring to make the processes better. We can then negotiate with the insurance and say, hey, the people in my community have better outcomes than others, so we deserve this extra reimbursement. So these are things that will come into play over the next few years as, we, as our community gets bigger. Yeah, wow, that's that's pretty exciting stuff. It sounds like you're adding so much value to um, to the clinicians and then ultimately the patients, which then kind of increases the um, kind of the synergy between all three areas, the marketplace, the clinicians, the patients, and then ultimately insurance providers and other governing bodies, while just kind of giving the clinicians more of a more of a spotlight, kind of showing that, hey, you know, that's maybe right. smaller. Yeah, maybe a smaller practice is better. You know, you're obviously getting better um, feedback from yeah. patients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it really sounds like, yeah, it really sounds like it's just a matter of time. You guys are are growing. You guys have a good momentum, good trajectory. Um, and yeah, that is exciting. Have you have you considered applying the same framework to like? Other industries, I know you're focusing on the healthcare industry now, but is this something, you know, that can be uh, licensed out or, you know, can you create some type, some type of structure for other types of industries or will your focus be uh, solely on healthcare? No, this, I mean, apart from the MSO aspect, the others can be tweaked and uh, um, tailored for other industries. We have some in mind, but as for a startup, the biggest thing that we could do is focus. So, as we get bigger and we grow, there will be more resources for us to go and do a branch out, so to say. But at this point, I am not, I mean, even though I see the possibility, my sole focus is on healthcare. Right, right. Yep, that makes sense. Kind of get get that industry down, Pat, you know, and then kind of see where that takes you from there. But the focus now on healthcare mm-hmm. uh, seems to be like the right place to focus. Um, nice. And then, as the CEO, as the co-founder, you know, you're obviously making unilateral decisions. You've got people counting on you. You know, you're in a leader position, a leader role. How have you how have you kind of kept your team focused, you know, kept them kept them happy, kept them doing good work? How have you what have you learned about yourself like as a leader and what kind of things have you done, you know, with your team to kind of help you get to where you're at uh, right now? So, I mean, one of the things I realized, uh, not from this, but uh, from my previous start of this, the team is just as important as the product uh, or that of the customer. So if you don't have a happy team, the, the product is going to suffer. And then in the end, the customer is going to suffer. So we, uh, as a company, we have two customers, so to say. One is the, the employees and two is the, the client. So both need to be happy. So we... I mean, because we're small, it's much easier to manage. And one of the things that I do want to have this culture of is keeping keeping small. Even if the company grows, I want the teams to be small and well close knit, so they feel more close to each other, so to say. Uh, not uh, it could be remote workers or whatever, but they need to be. Uh, they need to feel that they're part of the team. So one of the things we we we. we meet all the time, either virtually or in person. We hang out, we talk. That some of the things that we do that uh, shows everybody that they are appreciated. Uh, they're part of uh, a family, um, so to say. I mean, I know these are sound cliche, but I've, because we've seen how well it works, it 
I am proud to say that, I mean, I still do it. I mean, people say that, hey, I do it, but I don't do it. But I yep. really see the effect that it brings about in the team and they feel appreciated. Um, yep. Did I answer everything that you asked? I'm trying to see I missed something. Yeah, I mean... I mean, we, we keep... Yeah, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say that um, if that's how you're doing it, you know, sometimes sometimes an answer can be so simple that it makes us doubt whether it's valid. You know, like somebody who's uh maybe not performing you know well in the gym or something they just go to bed an hour earlier and it's like that solved it it's like yeah <laughs> you know some people yeah. they just need to feel like yeah. they're part of a family they need to feel like they're part of something and they do their best work you know and checking in with your team making them feel like you know they're they're part of something bigger you know maybe that's the yeah. that's yeah so um i was gonna say the, one of the things that i've we do very well here is hire the right people so mm-hmm. I've I've been with managers who micromanage and then say, "Hey, why are you not online? Hey, why uh, why are you not working? This is the deadline, and I don't see you in your in your mm-hmm. desk or whatever." To me, that is not the symptom, but rather the result, right? So, if you are having to do that, you didn't hire the right person. If right. you want to be having, if you want to be, ha- if you want to have good employees, then find people who will do things that they're supposed to do, and you don't have to go watch them, watch over them every time. So if you spend the time up front to find those kind of people, then you don't have to spend the time managing them. So that's one thing that you've been good at finding people who pretty much go on their own. You tell them what to do, and then they'll figure it out. And you know, a lot of our audience is like HR. Obviously, it's startup founders, people managers, people in C-suite executive positions, but a lot of them are HR. And speaking of hiring good people, how did you do that? Did you dip into your network? Did you, uh, I don't know, you have a really good judgment of character? Did you get referrals? Like, how did you hire these good people? Um, a lot of it. So, so there are these, what do you call, capabilities for the job that you want or the role that you're looking for. But then mm-hmm. there is a personality so I look for more on the personality side than the capability side. Yeah. I I have learned so many different things and all it took me is the urge to learn that so that I can solve a certain problem. And you might have 10 years in HR, but if you are the kind of person that goes around and fiddles around the things trying to figure out how best to do something, you can learn coding in a couple of months. It's None of these are things that you need a lot of, uh, I mean, you have to be like extremely smart to do things. Of course, being an expert makes a, makes a difference in certain things, but that's not what I'm talking about. When it comes to those kind of things, yes, we do need those kind of people, but they still need to match the personality that is that they are they're kind of, they're one, they're driven, but two, they like to fiddle around with different things. So usually when I go talk to them, I talk about, I ask them about uh, what they do for uh, during free time, how they go about uh, uh, managing work and ask them like, hey, have you solved any kind of uh, problems in your life, be it work or not work related? And these kind of conversations are leading questions, which kind of lead us into conversations where uh, we kind of learn more about who they are as a person. And, and eventually we get to the technical stuff or the actually the, the, the capabilities piece where we want to find out what they are capable of. But if I feel confident enough about them as a person, then I don't care if they have less experience or not, because I know they'll pick it up on the way. Right. That's so important. Just the, you know, the qualities and values that kind of define their life are really expressed through 
these non-work things, you know, what do you like to do outside of work? Uh, what kind of literature do you read? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what kind of things are you working on in terms of like personal challenges, things like things like that? You know, like you said, like you can learn coding in a few months. You can do a lot of technical stuff with training programs that are out and available now. But it's really the content of people's characters, what it sounds like, you know, especially with things outside of work that allow you to form these connections with them. And then ultimately, it sounds like what you're saying is they feel more safe. They feel more comfortable to to do great work because they know it's not just about a paycheck. Yeah. But, you know, you care. You're there. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's, um, yeah. it's a good feeling, you know, like. I've we, had, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Just no, go ahead. One, go ahead. Of my, um, one of my colleagues, they joined as a, as a front desk person. But then they said, I'm more interested in solving this problem for you. They have completely shifted the role inside the company. And they've shown, they've really shown um, right in that new role because that's what they enjoyed most. To me, I saw that this person is capable of doing whatever they want to do. So I said, I have to go for it. And then it kind of paid off really well in the, lo- in the long run. That person's been with, a, with us uh, for now fourth year now. Uh, wow. And if I had kept them at the role that they had hired them for it, they would have been unhappy and probably left to find something else to do. Yeah. Would have been wasted talent. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, let's switch gears here. We've been talking about a lot of good, positive, happy stuff. Um, what are some challenges? What are some challenges you faced in building symbiosis in, um, you know, connecting with these clinicians, creating the marketplace, managing different personalities? I know you're in the process of raising some more funds. What are some, um, mm-hmm. what are some challenges you've had to, um, you know, face and overcome. And I guess uh, kind of a follow up to that would be like, you know, what have you learned? What have you learned about yourself, the marketplace, the industry? Yeah. Talk about, um, you know, some challenges you've had to go through. Sure. Um, I could go into the whole story, but uh, how much time do we have left? So I could tailor it accordingly. Uh, we got about uh, like 15, 20 minutes, something like that. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, all right. I'll, t- I'll talk about So. When I first yep. started the company, right, the thing, the biggest thing was just with any other startup, there's so many things to do. You've done your initial customer development, so you feel confident that there is something for you to do that will solve somebody's pain point. But then when you actually get into the, the thick of things to, fi- uh, to get this started, you realize there is so many more things to do. I mean, season startup founders will know this because they've done this many times, but if you're just starting out or you just did one or two, then you still have a bunch of things that you have to learn and you're not as confident going about it as you would. But one of the things that happened to me, which really helped me out is that we had, uh, in 2013, Suba and I, uh, my wife and I, we kind of put everything in storage and kind of backpacked around the world. We did like Central South America, a little bit of Africa, et cetera. And in Tanzania, we somehow ended up in uh, this to climb the Kilimanjaro uh, peak, right? So, the, I mean, we, oh, wow. I didn't really do any kind of research. And uh, uh, we just said off the coffee, said, okay, let's climb Kilimanjaro. And then we just randomly picked four days to climb it. But the thing was, by the fourth day, we had been climbing seven hours every day. So in the fourth day, night is when we get to the base camp. So base camp is essentially from there, you kind of trek up to the top. And until then, the weather was okay. But by the time we get to the base camp, it's all like close to freezing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were really tired. Uh, more, I mean, they, they still have food and stuff, but we were still like hungry all the time. So 
And uh, so, and the way they usually climb is during, they climb when the weather is the most stable, which is usually during the night. So if they said, we're going to start the ascent at 11.30 p.m. So we get out of our tent and it's pitch dark. There's no lights anywhere. So we just have our headlamp for, for our, to show our way. So we start and then this is like really steep, really cold, so dark. And all uh, we could do is just follow the guide in front of us. So mm-hmm. after one hour, Suba and I like this. This is crazy. Why did we? Why did we do this? I can't. We have no idea where we're going. We can't see anything. It's so cold. And uh, we were like telling the guy like, "Hey, I don't want to do this. Let's just go back." And the guy was like, "No, no, no. Let's keep going, moving." And by by hour two, we had pretty much given up. But the thing was, I had been. We were just bickering and like uh, trying to uh, getting irritated and stuff. So, but then I looked down and then I noticed that we had climbed up so much in those two hours. So even though uh, yes. it looked like we had not done anything, it to me that showed that, okay, I have just taken small steps. I had no idea where I was going, but I had some guidance and I just kept moving forward. And now I'm at a spot, which is much better than when I started. So I mean, I, I, I really internalized Love that uh, message in me at that point that, hey, you don't have to see the end goal. You don't have to know where exactly you're going. As long as you have some guidance and you keep moving forward, eventually you're going to get there. So when I started yeah. the company, when I mean, things were really tough, I just knew that I just have to keep doing what I'm doing and it's going to happen. Yeah, that's it can't be understated. I mean, it sounds like cliche and a little bit trite, but, you know, if if you have a direction and aim something you're going towards Mm -hmm. and you're just taking steps towards that goal, you know, whether it's small steps, big steps, you're going to fall. Definitely. I mean, nobody's perfect, but it just seems like there's like a, it's like, um, like one of the formulas of success, fulfillment, happiness, joy, whatever these things are, is when you have like an aim, a direction, something that's meaningful and you just take those steps, especially, especially when you don't see progress, you know, to, to have, kind of a bit of craziness mm-hmm. in you to be like, all right, I'm, I'm, I've chosen this direction. I'm going to take, you know, one foot in front of the other and just things happen. It's, it's almost like these th- like good things happen when, when you kind of least expect that you're just on the right path, you know, you're grinding, yeah. you're pushing yeah. and then boom, an investor hits you up. Boom. You get to the yeah. top of the mountain, you know, bam, like you figure out this business challenge and you know, it's, it can't be, it can't be understated. You know, I live in Los Angeles and you know, I've been here for like 35, 36 years. And uh, I meet so many people here that don't really have a direction. You know, they just came here to make it in entertainment mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's just, you know, they they just seem lost. They 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 think they're making progress, but they don't really have a map. They don't really have a direction. And then you meet other people, you know, from around the world or different companies where they have a set goal. They have a set direction. They have like a set aim. And you could just tell they're, they're a success because they may not have as much money or fame or some of some of these people in LA, but in my opinion, they're way more successful because they know where they're going and, and they have a plan. So it's, yeah. it's interesting for you to share that story and how it uh, parallels to what you're doing with symbiosis. Great story, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Nice. Um, well, that's great, man. I mean, we will definitely be, be following you. Um, you know, we'll have all the links to symbiosis, your LinkedIn, you know, um, uh, things of that nature. Are there any like um, milestones you're looking to hit this year? Are you going to be in any conferences? Are you going to be anywhere out and about this year? 
yeah, where are you going to be? Where are you and the team going to be this year? So uh, we're just putting our heads down. We want to double our revenue again this year. Pretty much grow the marketplace, both from the doctor side and from the services side. Finish our platform and then yeah. um, just keep chugging along and getting to the next step. I'm yeah. not going to new conferences as far as I know, but again, we never know, right? As far as I can only tell you what what's happening now. But I mean, right. people can reach me at my email, arun at joinsymbiosis.com. And it's the website link in the, the notes would give you the domain name if you have, if you don't know the spelling, but my email is arun at joinsymbiosis.com. We'll have uh, we'll have all that in the description. We can include your email, your LinkedIn, obviously the the URL to symbiosis. And and yeah, I like that. Just putting the head down, grinding, trying to double the revenue this year, obviously increase, um, you know, the bandwidth on both sides of the clinicians, the marketplace. And and yeah, I mean, we're we're excited for you. We're also thankful that patients lives are going to be improved, like the gentleman who had the stroke and got the physical therapy and speech therapy at the same time. These are meaningful things, you know, so we'll definitely be rooting for you. And um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, and maybe we can do one of these again, you know, maybe six to eight months. We'll see. We'll see where you guys are at. I'm sure if you keep going on the trajectory you're on right now, we'll see some exciting growth. You know, um, maybe you add different components to the marketplace. Maybe it's different types of clinicians. You know, who knows um, what we'll develop as long as, you know, you're doing what you're doing. You kind of keep your team happy um, and everything we spoke about. So, yeah, we'll definitely be be keeping an eye out for you. Arun, anything um, anything else you want to leave um, our listeners with, you know, in addition to what we covered today? <clears throat> not, but I mean, I think we've pretty much talked uh, of all that I wanted to say. Uh, yep. I don't have anything more. Thank you, though. I really yep. appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about this. And just when you talk about sure. these things that you've had in your mind, you've internalized it, when it comes out, you can see, oh, yeah, right. that made a lot of sense. But <laughs> So it's good to sometimes tell it out in the open. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah, I you just, giving me the opportunity. Yeah, I was just talking about that with my girlfriend the other day. Like oftentimes we have thoughts that are fragmented. It's like 60% of a mm-hmm. thought or like 80% of a thought. And it doesn't really have a conclusion. But when you're speaking with mm-hmm. someone, you're you're forced to make a complete sentence. And that's why I'm a big advocate for like writing and also just connecting with people that you trust because it kind of forces you to to, to flesh out ideas. <laughs> finish the fragment, you know, maybe remember mm-hmm. things that, you know, you knew from the past, but it really, it helps tie things together. Cause I think the the human mind, if it's not like structured and kind of pushed to finish a sentence or finish a thought fragments happen. So when we have these types of conversations, yeah, it's, uh, it's like the, the anti-fragments, you know, like we form conclusions, yeah. talk about new ideas and kind of remember some really powerful old ideas that helped us get here. So you're thanking me, but I, I got to thank you as well. You know, it's like a, a symbiotic type <laughs> of relationship, you know? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, nice. Nice. Well, Arun, thank you so much. Um, we'll be in touch and um, check out symbiosis.com uh, to our listeners. We'll be following you guys and um, best of luck. We'll be in touch uh, very soon, man. Yeah, it's joinsymbiosis.com. Yeah, we'll have all the links in the description anyway. So, yep. All right. Thank you. Gotcha. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.